Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. And finally, we get the technology on our side. We start on time. And what happens as soon as we go into the opening theme? I pull the plug on my headphones. But that's all right. I don't actually need to hear anything to be able to do this show. But uh, we are here to talk with you about the paranormal, as we are each and every Saturday night. And uh, we're very excited tonight because it's going to be a loose show. We're going to have uh, a chance to let our hair down, although I say that all the time, and you guys have your hair down, and mine's as down as it goes. But uh, we're going to talk about all kinds of things paranormal. We may have some guests joining us in the studio. We're not exactly sure what's going on. Uh, a friend of ours is uh, here from across the country, and she's having uh, adventures, we'll say, at the very least. And so they may join us. They may not. depends on how things are going in their world but uh, we'd also like to talk with you throughout the course of the evening give us a call 508-996-0500 1-877-996-1420 if you want to watch the show while you're listening to it here on WBSM you can go to SpookySouthCoast.com click on the Spooky TV link which is uh, under the live show tab at the top of the website and you'll be able to see what goes on here in the studio we've got our fancy interweb net cams set up yeah and uh, Matt Costa is over there directing the show, and you know we, we we've been incorporating some new things with the videos. We were picture, down. We were down for picture. a second. We were down. We were down. It was just the uh, spooky South Coast logo. That's but fine. We're up and running. That's right fine. Up. That's fine. And uh, so, I mean, how are you liking that job over there? Because direct, I, I, the I, I stole your job over here. That's okay. I stole Moniz's job. <laughs> and you stole Moniz's job. And now Moniz gets to go back to his preferred job of just you know contributing to That's the fine. conversation. Once we figure out more things around here. Um, Moniz will have a laptop in front of him, hopefully. And I'll monitor the chat room. Yeah. yeah. And that, one of the things that we are... I think people miss his, uh, his random comments. Right. We are missing <laughs> yeah. out on some of the chat room uh, access because we've got so much going on with the video feed. But we'll try and bring that up a few more times in the course of the evening. And I've, I've tried loading it up on my phone here, uh, which gives me a small version of it. So I can kind of see what's going on. Uh, and, of course, I do have problems with the internet in here trying to get it on my tablet but if we can figure out those internet problems that will give me access to that as well so what, what's the issue here it's just that the we just can't seem to to break down their internet walls yeah i don't know i don't know do you think it's designed with us in mind maybe do you think when they start putting in all this technology they're thinking to themselves okay how can we best protect this from the spooky crew screwing it up <laughs> yeah exactly they they know us too well i guess right because so. uh, <laughs> there was one night when the engineer had to come down here and uh, and fix something because things were going wrong. And the first thing that I said to Moniz was, all right, start taking down the webcam, start hiding everything, yeah. go put him out in my car because you know we don't need him to come in and see all that stuff. 
Because, you know, we... There's a lot of unauthorized equipment here. Right, there is. (laughs) But in our defense, that error had nothing to do with us. No, it wasn't. It was actually like that when we got here. And and Pete even said we did all that we could to try to fix it. Even he didn't know how. So it wasn't our fault. But that... There is a lot of equipment here that we do have to bring in and set up to, to put on this show. It's the multimedia spectacle that we like to make it. and But part of that is because that's what the Spooky South Coast listeners want. You know, They want to be able to see what's going on in the studio while they listen. They want to be able to, to interact with us via the chat room. Uh, a lot of people don't like to call in, and sometimes people like to just type in their comments, and we welcome that. If we can access the chat, we'll read them here. You can also email us throughout the course of the show, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. And, uh, of course, I'll, I'll probably throw Facebook up uh, during the course of the show, too, and check to see if there's any comments going there. And the new way to get us is on Twitter because uh, I see Matt Costa over there uh, tweeting away as it is. Yeah. We have uh, at Tim Weisberg. That's me. We have at SpookySC, which is the show, at Smoking Monkeys, M-O-N-K-E-E-Z, which is Matt Costa. And uh, we, we have it, – it's a little bit of a gray area here with what's going on. But uh, we, we have a Twitter account that is approved but not authorized by Moniz. Is that how we're calling it? What, what, how are we putting this? Um, I'm not sure what we're calling it. But, yeah, that's a good way to describe it, I guess. I'll put it this way. I know it exists. Is it mine? Do I control it? No. But if you have things that you want to uh, – I'll share with it. Have, it yeah, yeah, sure. So the, so some of these tweets that are coming out there from there, they could be from you. They could be from your staff of hundreds that handle your social media. <laughs> Basically. So uh, And that's at Science Advisor? Is that – um, something like that. <laughs> I think I don't know. I changed it a few times, so it's. I think it's um, science underscore advisor. Okay, so at, at science, science underscore. How do you get one so long? Because I couldn't get at Spooky South Coast. I don't know. Maybe they've loosened the rules since we started that account. But uh, so yeah, sure. You can get a hold of us on Twitter that way as well. I tweeted out a little while ago on the Spooky South Coast uh, Twitter account at Spooky SC. I tweeted out a picture. And I asked for some people to tell me where that picture was taken. And I got one response already that I know of that, uh, that had it right. But check that out if you, if you want to take a gander at it and see if you can figure out where that picture was taken. And also let us know, is it paranormal or not? Because that's, you know, the, it's one thing to know where the picture came from. It's another thing to know the story behind it. So uh, we'll, we'll tell you a little bit later on in the program. Uh, but for now, just check that out on Twitter and, and see what you think. And remind me of that, because I do tend to forget what I say. We'll talk about things later on the show, and then we don't. But one thing we will talk about right now, uh, before we go further with the program, is our Legend Trips event coming up April 5th through the 7th at the Houghton Mansion in North Adams, Massachusetts. We discussed this on last week's show with our guests, Josh Mantello and Jeff Belanger. And it was just, for, for me, like it, as excited as I was to go to the Houghton Mansion in two weeks, I became even more excited when I started hearing some of the other stories coming from North Adams. And I actually rewatched a documentary this week, Things That Go Bump in the Night, which aired on PBS. And it covered a lot of the stuff that happens in that area, the Hoosick Tunnel, the old coot, and, uh, of course, the Houghton Mansion itself. And I just got even more amped uh, for going on this event. So if you want to join us, just go to legendtrips.com. That's where you can purchase the tickets. And there's two pricing options for you. You can... Just buy a ticket for $125, which is just for the Saturday night event. Some people, as crazy as it may sound, you may just want to drive up Saturday morning, participate in the investigation, turn around and go home. I don't know how 
far you have to go, but some people might just want to do that. Others might want to just stay overnight in the hotel for one night. So they'll just come up for the Saturday event, crash Saturday night, leave Sunday morning. But if you want to come for the whole weekend and take part in the paranormal party that we're having on Friday night at the Haunted Freight Yard Pub just across the street, just down the street from the Houghton Mansion, then uh, that is 149. And so uh, if you want to get those tickets, just go to legendtrips.com. You'll find more information about it, and you'll find the link to purchase the tickets. The only problem is the room deals have run out at the Holiday Inn Berkshires. They only had a set number of rooms set aside for us. They're gone. So we have to... Uh, offer you rooms now at the regular rate, which is, I believe, it's 127 and change plus tax. And there are also there are a number of other hotels and motels immediately in that area that have far cheaper rates. It all depends on you know what the quality of accommodations are that you require. Uh, some there's some one star hotels on you know Travelocity and Hotwire and those sites, uh, Priceline, where you can get them for forty dollars for the night. And I don't know about you, Monies, but after I've been doing a Legend Trips event and I'm up till three o'clock in the morning, all I want is a bed. And if there happens to be fleas and, and bugs in that and, you know, protein stains in that bed, I don't care. I just want to crash. Sounds like a lot of the places I've already been. <laughs> That's true. Sounds like a lot of places we could investigate. <laughs> but, you know, it's all in what you want. If you want to have the full hotel experience with the continental breakfast and all that, sure, you can pay a little bit more. But if you want to have uh, just a bed to stay the night in, you can get get by really cheap with that. Uh, it's a little too cold for me to say just throw a sleeping bag in the back of the car. But, you know, if you're brave enough, you could do that, too. In fact, I might do that just to save myself some money. But <laughs> I don't think I'm that crazy. Uh, so check that out, legendtrips.com. And uh, I put up a new page. If you go to spookysouthcoast.com slash Houghton-Mansion, uh, you can see some of the video clips that I've collected from uh, different television shows and, uh, and, of course, from our own show covering the paranormal activity at the Houghton Mansion. So if you want to see that, just go to spookysouthcoast.com slash Houghton dash mansion. And uh, I also have it up on the Facebook accounts for legend trips and, and myself. And it's also on the Twitter account. So check it out. Oh, which the Twitter for legend trips, by the way, is at legend trips. Now getting back to the Houghton, would you consider actually putting a uh, sleeping bag down, say in the, in the center of the Masonic hall and sleeping in, in the building? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I personally would love to. And if you and Andy want to, too, that would save us a hotel room. Well, I, I like the idea. I love trying to, you know, experience the place day and throughout the night. I mean, even if we're in there only getting a couple hours of sleep at night, that it still is not a bad thing to try and do just to get the full experience of the place. Well, I'd have to say that's up to Josh and the guys over there, but I'd be willing to do it if, if, uh, if they're willing to have us. We have a call on the line here, so let's go to the phone see who it is. Good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast. How are you? Yeah. Helps if you press the air. It's not working. I can't see the air button. Good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast. How are you doing? Nope. Nope. Good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, cool. The, our our on air button for the phone is not lighting up, so I apologize. Okay, All right. I'm gonna. It's weird to hear my voice. I'm gonna turn that down. Oh yeah, <laughs> you definitely want to do that because you'll get you'll get the feedback. Right. All right. So how so, y'all doing? Good. How are you? I'm fine. I'm like stuck in the Midwest. <laughs> stuck in the Midwest. Yeah, Matt knows me. This Hi. Would be, this would be Della. 
Yes. I'm stuck here in Missouri, Kansas City. We're getting snow. We're supposed to get 6 to 12 inches. Ah, well, we've had plenty of that over the last uh, couple of months here. I know. I was going to the store, and this guy looked at me. He said, I'm from Cuba. I said, you don't look like you're from Cuba, but that's okay, you know? And I said... I this should be in like New England area. I'm like I got friends. I love Massachusetts. I love yeah, it's up there on the table, Maine and all that. So I'm not used to this when it's like in the middle of March. <laughs> well, we're not really either, especially after the last couple of years we've had here. But you know, we had uh, just the uh, the other night. What was it? Thursday night. We were supposed to get like an inch, maybe two. And I walked outside in the morning, and there was six so, inches on top of yeah, my car. Yeah, six, seven inches of snow. Yeah. So that, and by the time I came home from work, it was melted from all the streets and from the driveways and everything. So, just going to well, show this you. This is my first time actually listening to y'all because well, thank I you. got, well, I had to get the, you know, your site and stuff from Matt, and I've got that now. So, and I was just wondering if you had the Facebook, but you do. And oh yeah, I'm not able to get up there to the Legend trip. So when does do you have that, like, every year? Can I ask that question? We, we Actually, Legend Trips is uh, something that we're – it's ever-expanding here. This is our third year now of doing it. And what we do is we try to find different historic haunted locations that we can bring people into. And we've been concentrating around the New England area because we have so many. And this is actually the furthest we've gone out, uh, going up to North Adams, which is about four hours from where we're located but uh, it's it's amazing that uh, there's so many sites just in this area that we can go to. And our hope is that eventually we can do them once every other month or once a month. But uh, for now, this is the only one we have planned. But we're working on a few coming up uh, in the summer months. Any, place, yeah. any places you were – I was going to say, can you recommend some places out your way if we decide to I was to just going to say, I can – what I'll do, and then I'll get with Matt, um, I can actually look for it. Look, look for some That'd be um, and go from that because, you know, Matt and I are really close. So I could do that. And that would be great. I was just going to ask that question. Would you all be willing to come down here to Missouri or even to Kansas because I'm on the borderline? I'm well, like right off I seventy. We're pretty borderline ourselves here, but <laughs> <laughs> we would uh, we would love to to travel around and go to some of these other locations. And if you can find them, and uh, when when we're kind of ready to to take that next step forward, we would definitely consider them. Because for right now, you know, it's it's uh, for us, it's got to be somewhere we can get to uh, kind of close by. Because I, if you're not familiar with legend trips, anybody out there that's listening, it's a little bit different than your usual paranormal events. Uh, we try to have it so that uh, it's it's a uh, it's a more interactive experience. Uh, it can be a learning experience if you're a newcomer, if you've never investigated before. And it can also be a chance to, to have a new perspective on things if you are a seasoned investigator. And what we do is we provide you with uh, a dinner, which, you know, half of these ghost hunts you go on, you know, they, they don't even want you bringing a bottle of water with you. They want to sell you the water or the snacks when you get there. But we provide you with dinner, snacks, and drinks all night, all included with the price. Uh, you get lectures, uh, and you get a historic tour of the property that we're investigating, and then we give you four, five, six hours of investigation, guided investigation by our Legend Trip staff. Uh, and even though we'll sell you know, a good number of tickets, we try to keep it into small, intimate groups in the different areas so that you're never really around more than like 10 or 12 people. Right, that you know, and I've got a couple in mind, but let me just keep get on there to and figure out where they are and exactly 
what's going on with them. Because there's one, now it's not really, a, I don't know if you want to call it a legend trip, mm-hmm. but it's, I live in Independence, Missouri, and it was like one of the four states, at, or, you know, four cities in the state or whatever. It's where the, we have Santa Caligon days where we go, it's where, you know, they all started from from Independence to go to California for the gold rush and all that jazz, and so... I'm sure there is something around Kansas City Independence area. You know, I can get with uh, another friend of ours. Um, a form, uh, his name's Todd Sheets, and I oh, can yes, see Todd. if Todd, because he's a good friend of mine too, and I can see if he can recommend some stuff too. And I can try to get in touch with him. He's a hidden, but you know, you can't hardly get with him. He's right now in the middle of filming or something. Right, he's always always got irons in the fire. But uh, well, we appreciate right. uh, any information you can get us, and hopefully we can make it out there, and and uh, yeah, hopefully and sometime Matt, you can make it out here. Yeah, I would love to go back up to Massachusetts, go back up to Lizzie Borden's house. I would love uh, to now stay that, there. That one yeah. we do twice a year. That one we have when, an event there, uh, both in the winter and the summer. Well, when you're ready to do Lizzie Borden's again. I'm ready to go back up there and hang out at, with Leanne and all them. Well, we'll probably be there in August, but let me let me uh, give you. Oh, a suggestion. I can't go in August. I'm getting married, and I'm. Oh well, congratulations! I'm, thank my, you. I'm my condolences. Married. There's no better place to get married than Lizzie Borden, so they host a number of weddings every year. Yeah. Well, we're getting down. We're going. We're getting married down in Branson, Missouri. Ah, there you go. And well, stuff, but no, <laughs> and but yeah, I'm going to Mid South. And stuff, and my daughter's going to be 16, so there's like, I've got mid you know, now another time, it would be great. Well, so. maybe we, uh, again, August is just when we did it last year. We're not sure of the date just yet, but uh, I'll make the suggestion to you. The best thing you can do is to go to legendtrips.com, sign up for, okay. the, sign up for the email list there right on the, on the front page, and join the email list. And then if you're on the email list for Legend Trips, you get first crack at tickets before they go on sale to the public. So when okay, we, and when it's we, legendtrips.com? Right, legendtrips with an S.com. And uh, once you sign up, you'll get first crack whenever anything's announced. Our Legend Trips mailing list sees it before anybody else. And those Lizzie okay. Borden events, I can tell you, they sell out just in the pre-sale alone. They don't even make well, it for the general public. Like I said, you know, I love Lizzie Borden's house, and I love Leanne. She's so down to earth. And I love Massachusetts, so, you know, I live up there. So when I'm ready to go, I'm, you know, I can, I'll go. Well, and Massachusetts loves you, because I'm pretty sure that that used to be the marketing slogan here (laughs) years ago. (laughs) But I do, and, you know, anything to get out of Independence slash, you know, Kansas City, Missouri, (laughs) I'll go. But, yeah. But, Matt, um, I'll get with you. I'll let me look at it, like, look around this week, and I'll get with you through Faith um, the next couple of weeks, unless you have something to do. No, uh, feel free to drop me a line. You know how to reach me. Thank you for okay. looking for us. That's appreciated. Oh, you know, anytime. And if you think of anything, please uh, email me or inbox me or whatever. You Matt. got it. You got all right. it. All right. Well, it was nice chatting with you all. Great I love you all. And I'm going to be hanging with you for, what, another couple hours? Yeah, we'll be here till midnight Eastern time. Now you got okay, something to do well, on Saturday nights. There you go. Okay, well, I'll be. you're going to be my... Priority on Saturday evenings now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Have a great night. Night, Della. You too. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye, Matt.
Well, that was nice. Yeah. It's always nice, when, especially when you have a first-time listener and a first-time caller all on the same night. We appreciate that. There's a lot of listeners who've been out there for the entire seven-year run of the show that have never called in. Well, Della is a, a, a dedicated person that's been doing this for many, many years, and I've run into her, and uh, she goes to a lot of the different uh, ghost hunting events, and I've run across her at, you know, at this hunt and that hunt and that hunt, and, you know, you make friends with a, a lot of these people, and a lot of them are really nice, down-to-earth people, always willing to help out, as you see. Right, and h- how often does somebody say that they love Massachusetts? <laughs> it, ma- it just makes me proud of our state. It makes me think of things like this. All. The spirit of Massachusetts is the spirit of America. The spirit of what's old and what's new. The spirit of Massachusetts is the spirit of America. The spirit of the red, white, and blue. This, this was great. When, when Family Guy did this, like because it was such a, a small PSA type thing that is famous from the 80s, uh, but they pick up on that kind of stuff. And that, this is a lot better than the original, I have to say. It's one of the few times that I actually enjoyed actually, Family Guy's yeah. song. <laughs> so there you go. A little, little Massachusetts love right there for you. All right, if you'd like to call into the program, 508-996-0500. That is the phone number, one 996 1420 If you want to call in toll-free, you can also email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com or jump in the chat room on SpookyTV at SpookySouthCoast.com where you can see how awesome we are. And uh, how's the new mini Minicam working out there, Matt? Um, A little more stable? No. Okay. <laughs> that's <laughs> but, kind of what I expected. But yeah, it's fine. They got some new features. We'll, well part, part of the problem is I really, really need a new laptop, and I'm severely broke. So if you want to donate to the cause, just go to PayPal, make a donation, tim at SpookySouthCoast.com. Yeah. Uh, or if you want to just ship us a new laptop, that works too. But uh, we, we do have all I kinds we'll of We'll take plans. an old laptop. <laughs> <laughs> this thing's like four, four or five years old now. Uh, and... We are always trying to come up with new ideas and, and new things that we can incorporate into the program. So if you ever have a suggestion of anything that you'd like to hear or see or or be a part of, if you want to produce a show for Spooky TV, uh, if you want to produce just little field reports for Spooky TV, if you want to get involved in any way, just uh, shoot us an email, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com. And uh, also coming up next week on the show, uh, I'll, I'll remind everybody about this later too, but I just want to let everybody know we're going to have uh, Karen Dalman on, Matt, who you just recently had on 30-odd minutes. Yep. Uh, from she's, she's a Ouija expert, yep. and she sent us an email saying that she found out about us through 30-odd minutes, and she wants to come on the show and, and get a little bit more in-depth than she was able to in the 30 minutes of the show. So uh, I really am looking forward to this because we hear so much about the negative side of Ouija that I, I really want to hear about the positive stories. Well, she did share a couple of very interesting positive outcomes. I mean, it's not all doom and gloom. I mean, it's nothing that should be taken lightly either, but it it, it does have its brighter sides. Let's put it that way. See, I used to be of the opinion that they were, you know, dangerous, that they were negative, that they were... There was too much of a possibility that something bad would come in, that they were targets of negative entities. Well, you have to look at what it is. It's it's in the form of a game. So game gives it that childish play thing. Whereas in if you're doing actual investigations, you're consciously doing something to and you are, you are aware that bad things can happen. 
You you understand what I'm right, saying? Right, but that can happen with anything that we're doing. You know, if if I'm True. walking around with a tape recorder, I'm just as much opening myself up to something negative, and I have. I mean, I've I've met that thing. But you and I are adults. What this thing is set up for is kids. Well, you know, I I don't know because I I feel that the well, kids have taken over the culture of it. It was originally made for adults back in the earlier days. Yeah, and, William Fold made it, but and and the and back then it was marketed as a, a as a social right. gathering type uh, game. And I remember when I was a kid, there was a lot more of the family aspect of it. I mean, it was promoted as being something that the family would do together, and it's gone off in the post heavy metal generation. Uh, of being more of something that you know the the loner does by himself in his room, or or him and a couple of his friends do in his room while they're playing some Judas Priest, and it's it's or the, hers uh, looking sure. to find out who they're going to marry and stuff like that, and that open intention, yeah. But I feel as though the negative aspect of it is something that is almost almost marketing to some degree, and uh, also partially from outside influences such as the church uh, or or maybe parents that don't want kids messing around with it. But I feel like a lot of these these horror stories that we've heard about it are what gives it a bad rep more than the actual experiences themselves. Isn't that the way society works, though? Yeah, they well. hype up things? Yeah, yeah there's, there's nothing that we try to portray as being inherently evil while inanimate <coughs> guns... <coughs> <laughs> I don't want uh, to go down that road yeah, with you tonight, Monies. No, you don't. Uh, I, again, though, I've used a Ouija board like once at Lizzie Borden, so I might not be the most qualified person. Maybe we'll bring one in, though, in the studio next week, and we'll mess around with it a little bit. I'd like to do it with, say, several of them. I'm sure that you've used them on numerous occasions, oh, yeah. Monies. I'd, for me, it's just entertainment. Uh, I understand what's going on with it, and I, I myself just find that find them to be nothing more than entertainment uh, as far as an actual information tool uh, I would just make note of what came out of it I wouldn't put all that much stock into it but you know it is worth noting at least from my viewpoint how about you Matt have, have you had a lot of experience with the Ouija um, no I mean I played around with it when I was a kid a few times but I, we never really got anything it was just kind of like we were just screwing around. I, I downloaded an app on my phone, yeah. and I was trying to use that. Oh, actually, on my tablet. Is it an actual Ouija board? Ouija board on your tablet? Is your hand the planchette on? Yeah, you the put screen? your hand over the over the planchette, and, and it's supposed to move around. But the problem is, it's so touch sensitive that mm. as soon as I tried to touch it, even the slightest bit, it would like just go crazy. Like, which yeah. not crazy like with spirit activity, but it would go crazy like, uh, you know, like a glitch. Yeah. So I, I realize that maybe that's not the best form to try to use it, but it's because I was too cheap to go spend seventeen bucks to buy one. And it's not like you can go to the store and buy one either. You know, Walmart doesn't stock it on the shelves. You can't walk into Walmart and buy one because I tried to do that before, yeah. one time before the show. And and you can't really go and walk into um, you know most most stores and buy them anymore. Uh, I'm not sure if Target carries them or not. Um, I think they do around Halloween and stuff. I think Target's plan is to just carry the things that Walmart won't. Yeah. You know, like NWA albums and stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Bleep the Ouija. Bleep, bleep, bleep the Ouija. That's that's the new song. All right. Well, one of the things that I wanted to talk about too tonight, and this is a little bit uh, uh, of a nostalgia trip for the guys here in the studio, 
for the Spooky Crew when we talk about, in particular, Lincoln Park. But one thing I want to talk about is the idea of haunted amusement parks. Oh, I thought you were talking about the band. No, I don't want to talk about them. Please. What is this, 1998? <laughs> Am I my brother? Um, anyway, uh, the weatherchannel.com uh, had an uh, interesting slideshow up the other day about haunted abandoned amusement parks. Well, I'm sorry, just abandoned amusement parks. But a lot of these parks have paranormal stories that surround them. And one of those, here's a slideshow comprised of, of uh, amusement parks from around the world. And here in the middle of this slideshow of about two dozen photos, uh, two dozen, uh, no, it was about a dozen places, uh, shows up Lincoln Park in Dartmouth, Massachusetts. And I realized that even though to a lot of people in the area it was just our little amusement park, it the it's become an iconic abandoned park. And of course, there's nothing left now. They took down the comet last summer, which was the last thing that was left standing. But it has developed kind of a reputation, uh, mostly from its appearance more than anything else. I mean, I know that there's been stories from there. I wrote about them in my book, Ghosts of the South Coast. But Moniz, you've been checking out paranormal stuff in this area for a long time. And also, you went to Lincoln Park when it was open. And I mean, did you have any kind of strange or weird experiences there, be it before it closed down or after? I'm pulling up pictures of when I recently went there with Sarah Coombs uh, in its dilapidated state. Uh, yeah, I have I went there as a kid. I, you know, grew up every summer going out there and, you know, eating clam cakes and going on the roundup and getting sick when, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's part Which of you should never really <laughs> eat clam cakes before. <laughs> when I went to Rocky Point, my parents always had a rule, clam cakes and chowder before we went home. Yeah. Not in the middle of the day. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, the, I, it was part of my childhood. And, you know, it, it's just one of those things that it's sad to see that it it's now gone. Because that was a, a fond memory of my childhood is, you know, going there, riding a comet, going on a roundup, going to the uh, haunted house and stuff. You know, um, it's... It's sad. Yeah, and we actually got some recollections. And uh, why don't you, um, why don't you have Matt put your camera on, Moniz, and and you can kind of scroll through those for the viewers. Uh, it, it's kind of sad that you know a lot of people that grow up in this area now won't know anything about Lincoln Park uh, because it was a part of so many people's childhoods here and and even their adulthoods as well. But it also does have a number of ghostly happenings. There was an accident, for example, in 1986, in which a young worker of the park was walking along the tracks to kind of do the pre-opening inspection. They used to, you know, if anybody's ever been to an amusement park first thing, sometimes you can't always get on the rides right away because they're still working on the, the pre-opening inspection. And part of the procedure for opening a roller coaster is to walk along the tracks and make sure that everything is secure and, and nothing has become disconnected during the course of the night and that it's safe for people to get on the ride and go. And you know they'll, they usually do the walk and then they'll run a couple empty cars and then they'll open it up to the public. Well, one of the workers at Lincoln Park actually climbed to the top of the Comet as part of the inspection, and he fell and and he perished, and so that is one of the supposed hauntings of the property, is that his spirit was seen, and that uh, one of the reports that I got when I was putting together the Ghost of the South Coast was that 
His spirit would be seen walking along the tracks, and when he got to the highest peak of the comet, he would disappear, as if to kind of indicate the fact that he fell off. Well, I, I posted up on Facebook, on my personal page, I put up a link to the weatherchannel.com slideshow about all the different abandoned parks. And uh, we, we had a little bit of a discussion going, and, and somebody named Joyce, who I won't use her last name here on the air, but somebody named Joyce posted up on there. And Joyce, if you're listening, we'd love to have you call in, 508-996-0500. But she put up that she worked at Lincoln Park back in the dark ages, and she can assure us that there were many spirits there. The 1986 accident was not the only one to occur there. There was a particular spirit who had passed as a result of an auto accident on State Road adjacent to the Trabant and Scrambler, as well as one in the parking lot directly at the base of the comet. So we do have a few tragic events that happened there. Uh, over the years. And there was a case, where I believe, when the cars came off the comet, and this was in the 50s, if I'm not mistaken. The cars, uh, the track wasn't secured right in some manner, and the, the cars flew off the actual roller coaster and landed upside down out in the parking lot, if I'm not mistaken. And that happened in the late 50s, early 60s. There was another uh, incident, too, in the late 80s where the roller coaster went off the track, and and thankfully nobody was injured. But that was kind of like the final straw type thing, and the park closed soon thereafter. But, you know, there was also a lot of other reasons behind that. I mean, the park was just losing money. It originally had started uh, back in the 1800s. Uh, it, was, it was around for about 100 years. And it started in the late 1800s as uh, a midway point for the New Bedford Fall River trolley line. And the idea was that when people were going back and forth between the cities, if you gave them something right in the middle for them to kind of stop and spend some time, it would be increased revenue for the trolley line. So they were actually the ones that put the money forth to to start Lincoln Park. And over the years, uh, through the 70s and the 80s, there was a, a move to the bigger parks. You know, Rocky Point expanded. That became more of a draw. And, of course, uh, the... Uh, Six Flags Park here in New England was Riverside Park at the time, but that was expanding. And there there were a number, and as, as cars became part of the staple of the American family, and as uh, the interstate highway system started, and you were able to get around a lot more easily than you could in the days of the back roads, you know, those smaller mom-and-pop, you know, Lincoln Park, Paragon Park, those type of places started to shut down. And because... There was almost always something going on where the land was tied up because they were trying to auction off the rides to handle their debts and banks owned the properties and they were trying to find the best use for sale. You know, they sat abandoned for a number of years and some of them are still abandoned to this day uh, and some of them have burned down like Lincoln Park had from, you know, most of the Lincoln Park had burned down uh, and others have just been kind of cleared out, slashed and burned and, and turned into something else. And there's such a possibility for paranormal activity at every one of these. Uh, from my own beliefs in the paranormal, I think that any time that energy is imprinted on a location, there's the potential for that energy to resurface uh, in one way or another. And we always focus so much on the negative. So we're looking at Lincoln Park and we're saying that there was this you know, worker who died, there was uh, roller coaster cars that flipped over, car accidents that happened on the road in front of it. We're associating all these negative, tragic events with the paranormal activity that takes place there. But it's also possible that there's been so much positive energy exuded there over the years that maybe the location can record that and trap that as well. Well, it was weird when I was there with Sarah. I was literally reliving, 
you know, portions of my life walking through the same path, seeing, you know, the remnants of, you know, the comet and the food stands and some of the other little ride things and stuff. And it instantly took me back to the moments in time when that, when the park was functional to me. And I could hear the laughter of the kids on in on the little Ferris wheel that was right there and stuff like that. It took me right back there, and it came alive, actually, for a second. Now, was that me actually listening to something going on in the background, or was that mainly in my head and my memories? It, it was kind of like both at the same time for right. me, but, you know, it was like, wow, surreal. I mean, I've heard reports from people that went there, you know, five years ago, and they could still smell clam cakes when they went there. You know, they could still smell the cotton candy. Now, is it possible that maybe those smells are, are in the wood and that when you're in there poking around and, and you're banging stuff around and kind of causing those those uh, molecules, those to, molecules to, to loosen up and, and uh, no longer be attached to the wood, is it possible that you can smell those? Sure. But are you going to have that overwhelming sensation of it like you would have in the days when the park was open? I mean, and we do have to say, like, sure, a lot of this does go uh, into the category of it's it's in your mind because, sure, why wouldn't it be? If you walked into that place and you had so many happy memories of it, why wouldn't you want it to look in your mind's eye like it did back in those days that you enjoyed it so much? And then, of course, for a lot of people, they were terrified of that place because the Comet was the first roller coaster they ever rode on. <laughs> See, I, I got my start on the, uh, the Rocky Point corkscrew. So I... Uh, I got I, I got indoctrinated right away with going upside down and twists and turns and all that. What was your first? Was it the Comet? Yeah, it was the Comet. And I've been on several dozen across the country since. Costa, how about you? What was your first? Um, I'm not sure if I remember it too much. You blocked I it I out? Little. I think I was too little. I was very little. Really? Yeah. I was like 12, I think. It took me a while. My son's eight, and he thought nothing of going on every roller coaster he could at Six Flags last summer so yeah. just shows the difference you know I'm, I'm afraid of heights I, I'm fine with going on roller coasters if I could just like walk into a building to like the top very top peak like if I could walk upstairs or go up an elevator or something I'd be fine because it's that whole climb that freaks me out after that I'm fine yeah so that's why I want to try like some of those new ones where they push you up pneumatically and there's no no chain pulley system it's like and then you're at the top and then you just go so that's that's what I'm looking forward to. But uh, just taking a look at the slideshow and seeing some of these other parks. I mean, one of them is Six Flags New Orleans, which is also known as Jazzland. That's been closed since August of 2005 because of... Hurricane Katrina. Right. And when you look at the park, it's a looking at the slideshow, it's a relatively modern park. Uh, and it seems like they have a lot of really cool attractions there, but it's just... It's been abandoned for seven, eight years now, and... And it's kind of fallen into the hands of vandals. Uh, but it, it has to do with the fact that it, there's still drainage problems there, still, from the hurricane. Some of these other places, uh, Disney's River Country in Florida, the only inactive Disney park in the world. The only part, the, the only Disney-owned property that's just sitting there doing nothing. And it's uh, it's basically a bunch of like log flume water slide type rides and and riverboat rides and things like that and and it's creepy to look at it and to realize that this is not far from the Magic Kingdom and it's just sitting there and and nobody goes there. Uh, 
and just imagine the stories that must come from out of there. And some of them are some really strange parks that are probably abandoned because they were bad business strategies. Like in Japan, Gulliver's Kingdom, they built a whole amusement park based on Gulliver's travels. Uh, how did you think that that was going to be sustainable uh, over many years? It's it's you know it's one of those things that you go to once maybe, uh, and then there's a few here in the Ukraine and in Germany and one in the United States called Dog Patch USA, which is based on the little Abner comic strips. Like again, really, you thought that was a good idea? You know, like Dollywood at least works because yeah. Dolly Parton's there a lot of the time. You know, so you have that working for you. Uh, yeah, Dog Patch USA in Arkansas. So the, you know the. Definitely check this out for yourself. Uh, just go to weatherchannel.com and, and look up uh, the creepy abandoned theme park photos, yeah. and, and you'll see some cool ones. Low Battery Dave in the chat room wants to know when Balzano Land is going to open in Florida. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> you could have It could be Puck Wedgie themed. Right. That's <laughs> I think. That's But then if you do that, like... <laughs> You're going to have to have all the different associated legends and lore. Yeah. And it's just going to get too confusing for yeah. people. Well, maybe it could just, just be a ride. We, we can't agree like on how the, to spell uh, Puck Wedgie. <laughs> like it's a small world ride, but it's just like Puck Wedgies yeah. of, of around the world. Right. That would be pretty cool. You like jump in the cart and drive around and there's like animatronic Puck Wedgies reaching out for you. <laughs> yep. That'd be pretty cool. <laughs> and at the very cool. end of the ride, there's a giant mushop. Uh, <laughs> you know, he's being attacked by the Puck Wedgies and that's... I, it, you know, this is something that we could probably talk about in the second hour, too, because we have uh, we have about four minutes here until we have to take a break for the news. But there's been some pretty classic haunted houses associated with these parks, too. And they always seem to have those legends attached to them. Of course, Jason Mayo did a great job with the Tales of Rocky Point Park comic and, and talking about the haunted house there. But... For my money, the best one that's still around, and I've never been to Disney, so I've never been to the Haunted Mansion, which is probably cool in that smoke and mirrors special effects kind of way. But to me, the coolest one that I've ever seen with definitely a a real effort put behind it is at Canopy Lake Park. Have you ever been on that one? No, I haven't. Matt, have you? Yeah, I think I have. It's it's really good. And I wondered why when I got there, uh, I had to wait in such a long line to get on it. But it's really it's really good. You you get into the cart and you go through uh, what is supposed to be a mine. And in that mine, you know, you see workers, kind of animatronic workers, yeah. digging for gold and with their pickaxes and everything. And you're going around like a little couple little S curves. And as you get toward the back of the mine, the workers get a little bit more evil. And then all of a sudden you go underneath this waterfall and you descend and it's like you're going into hell. And you actually get blasted with hot air. And when you go around, I mean, the stuff that you see in there is cheesy. It's all, you know, behind glass type, you know, silly stuff. But they put an effort into it. And it's since the House of Horrors at Rocky Point, it's probably the biggest effort that I've seen put into one of these things. And the traveling shows, you know, they just don't have, they don't have that kind of yeah. effort behind it. So I don't know. Maybe people out there have a better haunted house they want to tell us about. Give us a call in the second hour, 508-996-0500, Email us, SpookyCrew at SpookySouthCoast.com, or jump in the chat room at SpookySouthCoast.com under the Spooky TV uh, heading. So uh, we're going to take a break for the news. During the break, if you want to go on LegendTrips.com and pick up your tickets for Haunting the Houghton, April 5th or the 7th, you can do so. Again, 125 for just the event itself, or 149 if you want to make a weekend of it. 
again, legendtrips.com is the website. And we're already thinking ahead to trying to plan for the uh, summer months and, and maybe even the late spring months, coming up with some more legend trips. And one of the things that we have to do, because people have been talking about this since October, one of the things we have to do is we have to get back into Fort Tabor in the warmer weather. Yes. Yes. Because yes. we've just barely scraped the surface of, of the activity that's going on in that place. So I can promise you that that is definitely going to be on the docket for the warmer months, a return to Fort Tabor. And when we go there this time, you know, we, we've kind of got much more of a, a, a foundation to build the investigation on. So I, I, want, I just want to go back there and see if I can hear that cannon fire again. I, I want to go back to the little battery I was in listening to the footsteps walking all around in there in the voices. Well, I do have it right here, so why don't I just, uh, real quick, just play that crash for everybody just to remind them of it. I don't know if you're touching my hand or if that's just because I, I feel cold over here all of a sudden. Right. Kind of right oh, wait, I just thought of something. Good thing I stopped it. That was not the edited version. Oh. <laughs> that was the original version. Oh, man. <laughs> that would have brought us more FCC fines faster than a Jackie Barrett appearance. <laughs> so why don't we just leave it at that? If you want to check it out, you can go to SpookySouthCoast.com and uh, you can download that and hear it for yourself because that, that was a, a phenomenal experience. All right, well, we're going to take a break for the news. When we come back on the other side, we will talk more about the paranormal and hopefully we will talk with you as well. Again, the numbers are 508-996-0500-1877-996-1420. See you in just a few here with more on Spooky South Coast. Presents Spooky South Ghost with your hosts Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa. Welcome back, our number two of Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin Matt Costa and science advisor Matt Moniz. And I think I finally figured out. Who's on which pot now? Well, I know which pot my own is on. You're on number th- four. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah, my mic works. Hey, you I thought it. it was number three for a while, but I also made a, a there was like a double entendre with that reference yeah. too, but I don't know if you picked up on it. But uh, we are talking about the paranormal. That's what we do here on Spooky South Coast. And uh, while we were during uh, during the break, while we were taking a break for the news, I got a text uh, from our friend Jay. And he wanted to let me know, our friend Jay Moore, he used to own the late, great South Coast Conies, uh, but he wanted to let me know that right now they're airing the Lizzie Borden episode of My Ghost Story. <laughs> so I'm up against myself yet again. Not the first time. I'm always working against myself. But uh, if you haven't checked that out, I'm sure it's going to be rerun on the bio channel later on tonight in the middle of the night, so check it out. And uh, you'll see myself and Jeff talking about our experiences there. And it was fun. It was fun 
going there, and, and it was definitely different than some of the other TV things that we've done. I mean, I've never sat in a chair and had a camera moving all around me at, like, 360 degrees. And, like, I keep turning and facing it, like, no, no, don't turn and face it. And, like, just stare straight ahead, and it's going to come around you. So it's it's a little strange. But uh, a lot of our friends in the paranormal are, are getting their 15 minutes uh, on shows like My Ghost Story and, of course, in Paranormal Witness. And have you have you begun taking stories in Matt Moniz for, for Paranormal Witness? Um. I've already got a handful that I've already basically assembled to get ready uh, to put through. I'm just still working on a couple of other little final details with the contract. A lot more to this than I thought that there was going to be logistics-wise. Right. See, and and I had had conversations with the producers from that show, uh, and they wanted to know like kind of what stories we were getting here on the show. And it's a little bit... I'm sure it was different than your situation where they're trying to get you on board to, to helping them actively. And I'm sure with me, it was more like one of those, um, hey, what do you want to just pass on to us type of things? Like, you've done all the legwork. What do you want to give us? Uh, because as soon as I mention, you know, money, that's when <laughs> they stop returning my calls. But, you know, you're in a, a, a tough situation, as we mentioned off the air, that, you know, you've either got to take these cases that you've heard about and that you've been a consultant on and, and uh, been involved with these people and you either have to take that and say hey I really think you guys would be good on this television show or you have to weed out the people who are trying to get in touch with you just to be on television right. and it's really a fine line to well, I don't envy you in that regard of, of trying to figure out you know which path these people are coming down to, to try and meet up with you well they gave me certain criteria that I have to meet so uh, in a lot of cases that that will be a self-weeding process, mm-hmm. if you know what I'm saying. And that's not me. That has to do with the production company. Right. They want X, Y, and Z with this, and I have no control over that. That's not me. That's them. A so. lot of these TV shows, like, for example, My Ghost Story, you know, they're really big on having EVP. If you don't have any examples of EVP, then they're probably not going to put that case on the air. Uh, that seems to be what is attractive to them, more so than video evidence, more so than photographic evidence, although they do really love their orbs, uh, which is, you know, if anybody ever really pulled them aside and explained to them, hey, wait a minute, <laughs> let me explain to you why you're getting so many of these, and let me explain to you how you could be hurting the credibility of your program by giving so much airtime to them, but you know, what can you do? At the end of the day, let's stop looking at these TV shows and, and say uh, they are the vanguards of paranormal investigation. Let's stop doing that because they're just entertainment. And uh, I re- as we mentioned on the show a few weeks ago, I recently uh, had a chance to get even more inside the, the TV world and, and see how that stuff works, uh, albeit in a limited capacity, but it could turn into something else. But looking into that through that lens, I realized like, there's no way that you can expect somebody to go into one of these things and say, I'm going to keep my credibility 100% and then walk out of there coming out unscathed because it's it's a challenge. You know, it's if you're worried about your credibility in the paranormal field, well, you're going to have to walk in and out of a door 15 times. You're going to have to feign a reaction to something. You know, it just comes with the territory. And I think that as more people get involved with things like My Ghost Story and Paranormal Witness, and they realize that, uh, then they'll stop being so hard on some of these other programs. Well, you got to bear in mind that these things are Hollywood, including, you know, the ghost hunters, the ghost adventurers, and all of these other stuff. They're taking what happens in reality, and they're making Hollywood out of it. In other words, 
a lot of times when you see them doing stuff on on these other shows, uh, especially the the real reality ones and stuff like that, a lot of times that's re-photographed. It's just a a, a a dramatization. Right. I mean, the original thing did happen, but they'll re-video it in a more dramatic fashion for the camera. Speaking of cameras, Matt Costa, you got a watermark. I know. I saw that. There's, you're supposed to be able to go into the settings and remove it for okay. for regular mini cam. I don't know how you do it for the pro. Oh. But whatever. I'll you figure know, it out. You can give them a little give them a little, little airtime. Give them a little, little love. Little yeah. I mean, we, we use the crap out of that thing for free <laughs> because we don't want to spend 50 bucks to buy the, the pro version, the, the real pro version. Um, but, yeah, no, mini cam, great tool. Uh, we highly recommend Minicam. This is this is Matt Costa from Minicam. But yeah, that's the thing. That's the, you're going to get a dramatization of those because they weren't they weren't there to document what happened in the way that they need to document it. So they have to have these dramatic recreations. And don't look at it so much as a representative of the paranormal field and of an investigation in the same way that you wouldn't look at some of these true crime recreation shows. You were right in my head. I was going to say that you look at these uh, uh, CSI things that they redo. Yeah, same idea. Like uh, there's, I, I don't even know the names of these shows, but there's one station, and I want to say it's like, it's like associated with Discovery Channel or Science Channel or like one of these, you know, higher end channels, but they run these marathons of really trashy shows like uh, scorned mistresses and things like that. And uh, I think it might've been monster mistresses or something or, you know, it's basically it's, it's these types of stories and they're going way over the top in the dramatizations of these. So if you're worried about the credibility of the paranormal field, just look at some of these other shows and see what they're doing to people and, and see like, I just, I go back to the eighties, for example, uh, with with that show, I never Div- left. Oh, that's true. You're, you're still <laughs> back there. But uh, while you're back there, let me ask you if you've watched Divorce Court. Oh yeah. Because if you look at a show like that back in the '80s, or even The People's Court, you know these were very popular shows that a lot of people will quote as being where they learned anything about the legal system, which is crap because it's really just a dramatization. Those weren't even real people; those were actors. You know, and if if you don't believe me, look at some of these actors' resumes that are out there now who got their start on divorce court. You know, if I remember right, Matt, your favorite female singer, Tori Amos, actually was an actress. Really? In an episode of Divorce Court once. That's awesome. Right. I didn't know that. So uh so but that's that's what used to happen back then. They would they would just do a straight out dramatization of it. Now at least we have a little bit of the the dramatization and the person talking about the experience. So I don't know. It sounds like I'm waffling on my feelings on these shows, but I've just I've learned not to take them so seriously. Yeah, and uh, and you, you're a perfect example of that because you never really did from the beginning. <laughs> exactly. I knew what it was. Uh, I mean, everybody thought that you know, when they first started watching, you know, Scared or uh, the, some of these other ones. And then Ghost Hunters comes along, and I think that was the big one that hooked everybody. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, yeah, this is how, how how things are done. But I I can tell they they refilmed certain parts of this over again, and you know they did it for the camera. And then when they started to do the little pickups, you know, right. it's like people don't understand that you know 
they're there investigating for a night. Well, no. In reality, they were there for three or four nights filming stuff. Unless they're at Lizzie Borden's and they're there for... 40 minutes. Yeah. I, well, four hours, actually, but... Yeah, but I, I guess when you look at it, though, you have to hold Ghost Hunters in a different regard than you do a show like Paranormal Witness or My okay. Ghost Story. Yeah. Because they're supposedly presenting to you an active investigation... And they're, I mean, it, it, and I don't understand why they just can't come out and say, you know, we were here over the course of multiple nights and this is what we got. Like, why can't they just say that? Why does it have to be in the narrative of happening in just one night? Because that's their template that they established but, from the beginning. And but why do you have to use that template? Why not just because say it was, we went? It's continuity. It's actually better if you've been there multiple nights. I agree. <laughs> but it's because they want to show all that activity is having taken place immediately over the course of one night. And also, you know, because it's it's more dramatic that way. Uh, but well, you have to look at those differently than you do these, these um, you know, confessional shows where you're telling your story to a camera. Uh, because there there's almost... I don't want to say more credibility in telling the story that way because I've watched my ghost story and I've have I've questioned some of the stories that some of these people are telling, but at least you're getting what someone's celebrity ghost honest stories? reaction. What about celebrity ghost stories? I don't buy that for one minute. Really? Why? Uh, mainly because most of those people are trained to over-amp their reactions. I'm not saying that they didn't have paranormal experiences. I'm just saying that they are definitely mugging for the cameras when they're on that whoa, show. Whoa, whoa. I, I see. I look at this another... Another way, this is somebody that stands a lot to lose. <laughs> you, you obviously are living back in the 80s. If you think Barry Williams has something to lose at this point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah well, yeah, some of these are long, yeah, long past their these prime These haven't actors. been celebrities for 20 yeah. or 30 years, where they say the celebrity ghost stories. Uh, but, no, I understand where you're coming from, though. They are, They do have... Uh, a risk in in putting themselves out there as having these experiences, but I think it's it's more of a they look at it as the risk reward, and getting on TV and getting a paycheck is probably means more to them than losing any credibility for it. Uh, I know that the ones that I've seen, um, it's either been washed up people or people that I would say, well, yeah, I would have expected that person would have had an experience. Like you know, like I, I look at somebody like Jennifer Tilly, and I'm like, yeah, she's you know, she's a little out there. Okay, Russell Crowe in the UFO. That well, the, okay. How did, Mo, uh, uh, Matt Cost? I know you've been following the story. Uh, that was actually a hoax. Mm. Okay, put out by I think it's a publishing company, probably or a PR firm, and it's just uh, promote his like new movie or something. I don't know. I read a little bit of it, and then I was like, whatever, brushed it off. Right. So. Well, well, let me ask you yeah. that, Moniz. As somebody who I, I didn't really follow that, as I can't. Great, and so that means everybody else and their brother will be looking into this one. I think you tweeted well, it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there have you know I did. There, there have been in recent years, though. There have been a number of celebrities who have come forward and said that they've had UFO sightings and experiences. Fran Drescher admitted being an abductee. Robbie Williams uh, of the group Take That in the UK, and, and he had a pretty successful solo career. Uh, he's actually become a UFO investigator. At least he, he had a couple of years ago. I don't know if he's stuck with it. Um, and then uh, is it is it Tom DeLonge, Matt, 
I know that you're not a huge Blink-182 fan uh, either, but is that his name, Tom DeLonge? Something like that. I don't know. From Blink-182. He is like super into the paranormal, and uh, he's had no problem coming forward with, with his experiences. So, there, I mean, there are some people. If you really who, uh, want to go goofy, Lady Gaga. Well. No, she, seriously. She, uh, she She's one of those people that I would kind of expect it to be part of her persona. You know, when you if you look at Lady Gaga, if she wasn't singing, she'd be something out of like a Three Stooges short. You know what I mean? <laughs> she's just should be a nun. I don't know. Oh. Maybe a nun. Maybe she's the one in the gorilla suit and the yeah. one where they yeah. go after the mad scientist. That could be it too. She could have been in the uh, the suit of armor. Yep. But uh, all right. Well, we had a call, but we gabbed so much that we lost yeah. it. If you want to call in five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred one eight seven seven nine nine six fourteen twenty. But let me ask you, Moniz, getting back to the Russell Crowe thing. As somebody who has been looking into UFOs for almost 30 years now, uh, what are your thoughts on them using that as a publicity stunt, using the field that you take so seriously uh, as a tool of shameless self-promotion? It's no different than an actor taking you know anything that they do and promoting themselves. You're right. Does it help the field? When it stunts like this and it's actually a hoax, no. Uh, and we've had this done a number of times with other other things. But getting back to the people that aren't really hoaxing it, but saying that they've had a legitimate experience, uh, you know, I'll go back to Fran Dresser again, mm-hmm. admit, admitting to being an abductee. Do you know how hard that is just for a regular person to say something about right. that in their life and then to talk about... Do you know how hard it is to hear Fran Dresher say anything? <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't resist. Uh, but and then the question with Russell Crowe is, you know, what's more legitimate, his UFO sighting or his musical career as the lead singer of Thirty Odd Foot of Grunts? How did I know the name of his band? Don't know. That really that's just weird. I, I I seem to have a, a strange uh, affinity for remembering uh, musical acts of people who are not musically inclined. Yeah, hmm. like um. Uh, Keanu Reeves' band was Dogstar. I was just think of that. <laughs> I don't remember uh, uh, Mila Jovovich's band. I don't remember um, Juliet Lewis's band. I think they might just be the Juliet Lewis band. I think that's their name. Um, and what's her name? That band is called She and Him, right? New Girl? Well, that doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> 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 this, this is where the conversation goes when we don't have a guest. <laughs> So now, call in and stump Tim on the celebrity band, 508-996-0500, What about Kevin Bacon's band? That's easy. That, that's a good one. They're, they were actually very talented, the Bacon Brothers. Yeah. And anybody that's ever listened to that album is now one degree separated from Kevin Bacon. Do you know that we are all, um, we are th- our Bacon number is three. No. Is it three? It's, I think our Bacon number is two. Three. No, it's three. Definitely three. Because we had on this show uh, Styles White and Juliet Snowden, the husband and wife writers of uh, the movie The Possession, which was a really good movie, actually, by the way. Uh, but we had them on the show, and they made that film with Kira Sedgwick, who is married to who? Kevin Bacon. Right. Oh, so, yeah. we, well, you might be a little bit further away. You're four steps because you weren't here that night. <laughs> But uh, any ba- any bacon number inside of six is a pretty good one. Yep. So uh, there's that. 
Okay. Okay. All right. What about Bill Mooney? Well, that's that's a that's unquestionable. I think his musical career is more, uh, m- just more amazing than his acting career. I think he's a much better musician than he's an actor. Fishheads is just a yeah. It's an anthem if ever there was one. <laughs> so, and actually, you know, as an actor, he kind of seemed like a one-trick pony. You know, he could only really play that little kid role. Well, he was also Lanier in Babylon Five. Never watched it. Ah. But, you know, just little kid. That's what he played. I don't see him playing little kids anymore. This would be kind of weird <laughs> right now. Unless you want to remake Clifford <laughs> yeah. or Jack. Uh, this is this conversation's devolved. It did. It really Slightly. has. Quickly. That de-escalated quickly. Yeah, so uh, 508-996-0500, 1420 I'm pretty sure I just messed up the numbers. Because I'm trying to go into the uh, Twitter account here so I can see how many guesses we got on that picture I posted uh, earlier this evening. So if you haven't checked it out, just go to our Twitter account, at SpookySC, and you'll see the photo that I put up. And we did, we still have, just have the one response, and it was uh, Jennifer DaCosta, and she's right. It is from Lizzie's house. And if you, <clears throat> excuse me, if you go and check out the picture and take a look at it, you'll see that it is... Uh, a picture taken of the basin in the basement and over the basin is a wall and then when you take a flash picture of it uh, and you look in the wall there's a face that develops uh, when you're looking at it and it's I always tell people if you want to have a paranormal souvenir when you go there go and take this photo and then convince everybody that you know that it's real uh, but in actuality it's just the dirt in the wall and we've told Leanne many times please never wash this or paint it uh, because it's the one photo that everybody can take away from, and uh, besides sitting on the couch with a hatchet, uh, but have as a souvenir of the place. So if you've never seen it, check it out on Twitter. It's really cool. I mean, I've, and the more that I look at it, the more that I see detail in it. And of course, it's just pareidolia. But uh, it, when you look at it, and Moniz, uh, if you can see it there, you know you can kind of see oh, like the face yeah. the, and the wavy hair at the top, yeah. like it could be Lizzie. But then at the same time, you see what could be a little beard at the bottom, like John Morris or Andrew Borden. Yep. So it's uh, it definitely is uh, an interesting little piece to take home with you if you ever go there. So that was actually taken the other day when we were there filming something, and I I said to the producers, I was like, you know, you guys got to take this picture before you go home. And I took the picture and I showed it to them. And they're like, me. <laughs> they weren't really too impressed. So, uh, eh, what can you do? You can't go down there on the tour. So true. That's that's a pretty cool piece to take home. I would think. All right. What else do you want to talk about in the paranormal? You're the one driving the bus. You pick the topic. We'll chime in. Yeah, but I've driven this bus uh, right to the edge of the road. So I need you guys to help me decide whether to turn around or. Push it forward. Let's push it forward. Yeah, yeah. let's go. <laughs> right off the cliff. All right, let's talk cryptos. That's something we haven't had. On well, I I did see, by the way, today that uh, the, the picture of the Montauk monster is making its way around the internet again as now is a new story of it being uh, something that was discovered in the UK. But it's the same exact picture. It's not even like I could say it's the same uh, creature. It's the same photo. Wasn't there a different? Um, I, I saw a different photo recently. Of yeah, something there are similar. several more. It's but it, look, it looked more like a coyote or something that was 
like had all the hair boiled off or something? I don't <laughs> know. What happens when an animal's stuck in the water? The the water causes the follicles to become enlarged, and then the hair comes out. So it's not un- yep. unnatural. <laughs> so. Yep. Did, were, weren't you doing an experiment at your house with yeah. a raccoon? Yeah. Did, did, did it happen? basically reproduce the same Did you doc- document it, photos? Uh, I would like to see a, a, yeah, a slideshow. Yeah, I did, but there's a slight <laughs> problem. Yeah. They were on my old hard drive on the computer that died. Oh. <laughs> and now has gone missing, which really... So incidentally? No. Unfortunately, because that means i got to no. buy a new one. Say the CIA took it. Sure. <laughs> the more uh, the more interesting question that I have is what happened to the raccoon when you were done? Was it fricasseed or Charred no? Or it was buried, <laughs> smoked in the uh, smoker. No, buried. But you have eaten raccoon. Actually, yeah, I have, and squirrel, and rabbit, and snake, and alligator, and rhino, mm-hmm. and elephant. Moniz would kick butt in the Hunger Games. <laughs> what? What, uh, what? I mean, what was your favorite out of all the strange things you've eaten? The one that it, uh, impressed me the most, actually, was the buffalo, because it really does mm. taste like a really good beef. I do like it buffalo. Yeah, yeah, that one was good. The elephant was rather tough. Um, the other one that I thought was pretty good was lion, uh, surprisingly. Hmm. And um, I'm pretty sure neither which of the last two are legal. Oh, yeah, they're completely legal. Is it? Yes. Uh, a friend of mine owns a restaurant, and they, he orders regular... Uh, Stuff uh, you may even know the place well before he sold it, and they used to offer ostrich, the right. ostrich burgers and stuff. You like can that. get ostrich everywhere these days. Right. Well, he had a uh, a source for these exotic meats, and what happens is a zoo will have an animal pass for whatever reason, and they'll offer the meats to these uh, specialty places where you can buy it, and the funds go back to the zoo to help pay for the animals. Rather than it being wasted, I would definitely want documentation of how the animal died <laughs> before I ate it. But I'm pretty sure he died of dysentery. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, yeah, there there are some places out there, and not really that many locally. Although we say you know we don't have exotic cuisine here, but then somebody coming here from elsewhere is like Portuguese food. What's that? Uh, and then they go in there on a Friday and they have goat head, and they're like, what? What is this? Uh, but you know. I've always tried to eat a few strange things whenever I get the opportunity. Uh, You know, I've had the ostrich, the buffalo, the snake, alligator, uh, which most of them I got from the same restaurant. Yeah, you know who I'm talking about. At that place in Route 6, right? Right. Yeah. And, uh, and, And I'm always willing to try other things. I've had, you know, I've had snail, I've had chicken heart, so I've eaten, like, some weird stuff. Um Never tried head cheese. Have you tried head cheese? No. No. No? Isn't that like brain, made from brains or something? I don't know. I'm, do you want me to Google it? <laughs> I'm sitting here in front of a computer. Uh, I could just as well. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, Paranormal Nate in the chat room says buffalo wings. So, no, except they're not really from buffaloes, Nate. Uh, I know that Jeff uh, is a frequent eater of Rocky Mountain oysters. <laughs> yeah. Him Whenever he goes out to the uh, Stanley Hotel, I would I would try them. I would definitely try them. I'll try anything once, except cottage cheese. <laughs> Which, by the way, was was funny because a couple of weeks ago, I got a message. I think on Facebook, 
where somebody uh, had said that they were laughing when we said that we were the cottage cheese of paranormal radio shows, which I completely forgot saying that until that happened. Why are you on the old spooky TV page? I don't know. Stop giving us web hits on, on pages sorry. we're not trying I'm to sorry, I'll on. put the dash in. All right, again, if you want to call in, please, 508-996-0500, 1-877-996-1420. Those are the numbers to reach us at if you want to call in and share anything. You can uh, also uh, email us, spooky com. <laughs> Hit us up on Twitter, at SpookySC, and you'll also find... Uh, You'll also find our personal accounts on there as well. Matt Costa is at Smoking Monkeys, M-O-N-K-E-E-Z. I'm at Tim Weisberg. And although Matt Moniz won't admit it, he'll eventually be at Science underscore Advisor, uh, at least in some fashion. Uh, but one of, the, one of the questions that I have for you, Moniz, and I've been meaning to ask you this for a while. There's a new show coming out, uh, which uh, our friends uh, have taken part in, uh, about alien abductions. Yes. And I haven't had a chance to ask you this since I found out that the show was coming up, but it premieres, I believe, next Saturday, right? No, two weeks. Eight, two April weeks. 6th, while yes. we're in uh, North Adams. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on this as somebody who uh, collects reports of people's experiences and works with people who have been abducted? Uh, what do you think will happen when it becomes more in the public spotlight i know there's been tv shows and there's been uh you know episodes of sightings and episodes of uh unsolved mysteries that have dealt with it in the past but when it's going to be there on a weekly basis and it's going to be in there in millions of homes every week uh do you have any concerns about this do you think that this is going to open the door for people to share their experiences more or do you think it's going to turn it into like a, a circus type atmosphere even worse than it might already be I think it's going to be all of the above, actually. Uh, anytime you got something like this that's not been done before, you're going to have pitfalls that come out. We know that a lot of wackos are going to come out of the woods and you know want to be on television and have their own imaginational story that they want to share. There's going to be a lot of people that have had legitimate experiences that will at least... Be thankful that there's other people out there that are willing to talk about it. And as long as the subject matter is treated respectfully by the by the production company and in a serious manner, I think it will do some good. If, if in the very least, it gives the public a bit of an education more than what they see on, you know, these daytime talk shows and stuff like that, which is where most of these abductees have had their pain basically brought out on stage to be ridiculed by the audience, you know, cannon fodder. Now, what's the name of the show? Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. No, no, it's uh, they've been promoting it on, on TV and stuff. Uh, so the, the, it's, the name of the show is out there. I just can't remember what it is. I... Yeah, I'm having a hard time, too, because they've changed the name several times, and I'm trying to remember which one is the right one. Well, let me ask the folks in the chat room. Yeah. Some of the, somebody might know there. If you remember the name of the show. Um, it, it's on the um, History Channel, if I'm not mistaken. I'm on uh, I'm on Facebook, too, so I can check out uh, Audrey's page. Yeah. Uh, Alien Encounters. It's going to yeah. be on the Bio the channel, channel starting uh, April 6th. So let me see if I can find anything on it. Here that we can play over the air. Uh, no, 
nothing that I see. Yeah, they're going to be basically tagging around with them for a while, several episodes and stuff, and following what they do. So, for I mean, my concern with this is that it's going to be uh, something that takes. You got him on hold. Yep. That's going to be something that takes uh, people down another path uh, in terms of the viewer watching at home. And I worry as we explore, I don't want to say bizarre angles, because I know that this is a legitimate thing that happens to people, a legitimate phenomena. But as we go kind of down these different roads, I'm wondering how much the general public is going to continue to keep being willing to accept. (laughs) Once you go down the rabbit hole. um, Yeah, Yeah, that's true. All right, let's take this call. Good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast. How are you doing? Good. How are you guys doing tonight? Oh, we are doing well. As you can tell, we are uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're drowning in... in Rambling uh, on. Yeah. <laughs> well, I only have a couple of seconds here, but you guys were talking about paranormal TV shows earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorites that I remember from my childhood, and this was back in the 90s, this is Taylor Cormier, by the way, if, if oh, anybody hasn't figured that out. Um, Beyond Belief Factor Fiction with... Uh, uh, who was it? Uh, Jonathan Jackson Frakes, Stark. right? Jonathan yeah. Frakes, yeah. That was one of my favorite paranormal TV shows. Uh, it wasn't really uh, investigatory, but <laughs> it was just a, a good entertainment to watch. And, and you were also mentioning uh, celebrities. I, I only got a couple seconds here that uh, believe in paranormal things, and uh, I'm surprised, maybe I missed it, but you didn't mention it. Jackie Gleason was one of the biggest. Big UFO guys, mm-hmm. yes. Yeah, well, and, and uh, he had a, a run-in with, was with Nixon Rich. on a golf course, and he yep. supposedly showed him aliens down at, uh, uh, in Florida. So it was Home state Florida, correct. Yeah, we, we, we had an episode of the show where we talked with uh, Grant Cameron, who uh, deals with presidential UFO sightings and cases. And, and when we talked about that, like just hearing the stories about Jackie Gleason from him, uh, you know, he was a, seemed to be a regular contactee. Do you guys have a podcast of that show? Oh, I'm sure. it's. Uh, uh, we have all of our archives up on iTunes and on our website, so if you all check right. it out, I'll, I'll definitely to, do that. I'll have to hunt for it. All right. Well, all thanks right, for checking have a great in. Night. You too. Great show. Bye-bye. Thanks. That is Taylor Cormier. Of course, you can hear him every Saturday every Saturday morning here on WBSM. Uh, he's on from 6 to 10, so I'm not up that early on a Saturday. I only get to hear like the second half of his show. But... Uh, we definitely appreciate all he does, too, to help us out here with keeping this program rolling because he's one of the few social media WBSM guys we can get a hold of <laughs> when we have questions. Like, we'll be sitting here be like, we can't log into the computer. Quick, you know, ask Taylor on Facebook. And he always helps us out. So, but there have been a number of these, uh, I don't want to say celebrity UFO sightings, but, you know, people of, of prominence, of importance, uh, world leaders. Uh, people who are involved in the defense field who have been open and have talked about it. I mean, we've had Jimmy Carter talk about his experiences. So maybe the fact that that foundation has been laid, uh, maybe that makes it a little bit more easier for the general public to accept some of these abduction stories that they're going to hear. But I just know that I've heard the the Starborn twins share their stories here on the show and, and elsewhere and even privately. And it's knowing them, I believe what they've encountered, but I wonder how much of it is just going to be too fantastical for the average American viewer to fathom because it is uncharted territory. It is something that we don't have any basis of comparison for. In terms of 
abduction cases, theirs is not all that much different from many of the others uh, that that have been reported throughout the time. What makes theirs a little bit different is, you know, they're siblings, okay, and twins. It's just an, a novel fact that, you know, people are going to have to get used to. It's like, okay, in a lot of abduction cases, a lot of family members are taken, uh, sometimes individually, sometimes as a group. Uh, give you a good example, um, Betty Andreessen, uh, who is had abduction experiences happening all her life. She's been taken right in front of her family and some of her family members with her. And it's her husband, Bob Luca, is one of the ways that they met. You know, uh, As you know, I specialize in couples' cases and stuff like that. So what's going to be interesting is the fact that it's going to uh, be unsettling for some people mm-hmm. to accept the fact that, you know, okay, there's – something more to this because we got two people talking about these experiences one person talks about it it's just in their imagination when you get two people talking about the same event it takes it out of the realm of the psychobabble stuff and puts it in a whole new realm and and we go down this path quite often when we start talking about these things but um i'm not going to be afraid to do it one more time go ahead is it visitors from another planet yeah here we go (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> is it is is that what it is? Is it creatures from some other location who are coming here and and observing humans, studying humans, conducting experiments on humans, whatever it is they're doing? I would have to say, in uh, a good deal of cases, yes. And I am not <laughs> going to say that it's definitely not beings from another dimension, as well as well as another time. That to me is or. And when I mean by another time, from our past as well as from our future. Uh, I, I, there's been enough evidence to show that there's truth to each of those. Okay? And uh, trying to determine whether they're all happening together or working together, there may be another story. But there's definitely materials as well as the the stories overlapping that show that you know, it is definitely coming from that area. See, because in, in my somewhat informed opinion, I can't say conclusively that I think that they're beings from another planet. I think it's more why? likely uh, that Let me ask you why. It, it, it just seems to be the way that I feel about it. You know, I, I think that it's more possible that it's um, some sort of time-traveling... Tra- species, some sort of okay. dimension traveling species, then I think that it is they come from the physical version of Planet X and they're traveling here in their ships. Um, okay. Then why do they crash and leave debris? But that's where where the fly is in my ointment is because you come back to me with this physical evidence yeah. and, and you say, you know, where did this come from if that's not the case? So... But I also look at that and say, how come with our sophisticated, you know, telescopes and everything that we have now, why don't we see them in this process? I mean, when you're not going to see them uh, from that, you know, you're looking at something that's trying to see something the size of a star, which is humongous. And that's hard to do optically mm-hmm. uh, with, from where we are, even with telescopes in space. So you wouldn't necessarily see them. 
uh, you would stand a better chance detecting them uh, in terms of you know radio. But you know, then again, their communications, I believe, is far beyond what we're looking, what we use in terms of radio. That's equivalent of trying to find you know intelligence on this planet by ch- looking for people still sending smoke signals. Okay, so well, and then. How then do these abductions take place? Uh, and as you've noted uh, over the years here, that uh, often they will happen in broad daylight. Yes. Uh, and 60 to 70% of all abductions happen during the day. Then why is it that there aren't more witnesses to them? Well, a lot of times there are. And that that's, that's what's the funny part. Okay, we'll go to one of the more, more famous cases that I helped Bud with on uh, uh, for a number of years on uh, the Brooklyn Bridge abduction, uh, the Linda Cortiel case. That was witnessed by dozens of people on the Brooklyn Bridge as well as the head of the U.N. at that time who happened to be on the street right below, uh, Perez de Cuer, the head of the U.N., personally witnessed this. And so it, it messed with his head. Why aren't they happening now in an age when we would be able to capture them on cell phones and immediately make that information available, immediately tweet out those pictures. And maybe is that the reason why? Well, well, we do have a lot of people that put stuff up, but then again, you don't know it's provident. So you, uh, the first thing people jump to, oh, is photoshopped. So. <laughs> I, just, I, I think that maybe there's, if they are creatures of a higher intelligence, they're smart enough to figure out like, yeah, let's not go do that now. There's a lot of people with cell phones. Yeah, I don't really want to get caught. Almost, almost like Lindsay Lohan should be thinking, but doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> let's go to the phones. Good evening, you're on Spooky South Coast. How are you? Hey Tim, how are you, buddy? Ah, uh, doing well. That's <laughs> Lindsay Lohan. How do you bring her up? Uh, well, whenever I'm <laughs> thinking about uh, aliens, I think of uh, Lindsay Lohan. So yeah, I guess well, she don't hear anything anybody's saying, including the judges. That's true. But uh, yeah, you caught my attention earlier. Uh, talking about Lincoln Park and, of course, uh, Fort Tabor. Mm. Uh, I'm still trying to get you into Z, by the way. Oh, uh, we yeah, appreciate I the, it. I got the ball rolling on that for you. And uh, hopefully in a couple weeks you'll be hearing from me about that. That'd be great. But, uh, yeah, you said you want to do another investigation at Fort Tabor. I'm like, man, I'm all in. Yeah, we uh, the, the way we did it last time is... Uh, you know, we did it on a uh, cold Friday night in October. So a lot of people, you know, they said uh, this would be great if it wasn't so cold out here. Right. <laughs> so okay. now we're hoping to do it in some warmer weather. And now that the stories are getting out there, that'll increase the the interest level for the uh, paranormal activity that happens there. That's cool. Well, actually, one of the gentlemen in the uh, military museum, actually, I guess you brought some of the evidence in and showed it to one of the guys. Oh, yeah. He said there was... It was pretty creepy. I'm mean, the guy telling me that. He says, "Wow, this is pretty creepy." He says, "They, they actually, hey, these guys are good." <laughs> I says, "Well, that's what they do." I goes, "I know." Says, yeah, well, that's it was very interesting. I says, "I'll tell you what." He says, "No, they're more than welcome to come back again." So, well, that's great cool. to hear. That's, I mean, for us as as running legend trips, you know, for us. Uh, it's not so much about what kind of evidence we can present to the location as much as they say, wow, this is a well-run event. And the people that came were very respectful. And our 
attendees to all our events are just super people and they show the reverence and the respect that they should for these locations and you know a lot of times they go back they go back after our events and they want to go check it out a little bit more for themselves and you know we've had people join the Wareham Historical Society who live 45 minutes away but have just joined because they had such a cool positive experience at the Fearing Tavern for example yeah wow that's pretty cool um geez what else did you say matter of fact I was at first, she says, well, I tried logging on to SpookySouthCoast.com. I mean, I've been on my laptop all weekend, mm-hmm. and when I, it crashed, as soon as I, <laughs> I logged on to it, I goes, oh, man, <laughs> you put a ghost in it. I don't know what happened. See, and I never even mentioned Amityville. Normally, when I mention Amityville, that's when we have all kinds of technical problems here. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. I was, uh, I was doing a, a Skype meeting uh, with some people, and as soon as I started talking about Amityville, my computer crashed. So when you have the devil and the CIA trying to, you know, Speak, speaking well, of which, IRS, I should warn everybody that uh, we're going to be talking about Amityville uh, in the middle of April. Uh, it looks like uh, April. What's the week after this? Uh, April thirteenth. Looks like we're going to be having on uh, the producer of Daniel Lutz's movie My Amityville Horror. I'm um, sorry, the director of the film, uh, because Daniel's not doing any media. I tried to get him to come on, but so we'll be talking about Amityville that night. So I promise all kinds of problems. You said your buddy called earlier and told you it was on bio, your investigation did at Lizzie Borden? Yes, uh, we were on the My Ghost Story episode, uh, myself and Jeff Belanger. Well, by the time I found the bio channel, I guess it was over. I guess it was a short episode. Yeah, it's a half an hour show, and we're in the first ten minutes of the program. Okay. So well, like uh, I said, it should, should be on again. Yeah, the, yeah, it probably repeats itself. And they're usually pretty good about putting that kind of stuff like on demand and stuff. Wow. I'll even uh, I'll look it up uh, while while uh, before the show's over and I'll let you know. Okay, well I'll be listening, buddy. All right, thank you. But so like much. I said, I'm still working on the Z there because I'd love to love to see that. Oh uh, yeah, let us know. And and they're actually looking for places where they can screen Miamiville horror uh, locally. So maybe we could set something up like kind of do a combination thing. Yeah, as long as nothing crashes. <laughs> <laughs> I can't right. promise that. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. All right, buddy. Have a good night. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Yeah, bye bye. Bye. Yeah, that would be amazing if we got in there, uh, even if we just get in there kind of privately for an investigation. Because like I said, you know, we were we were stonewalled when we tried to get in there before, so. Yeah, that was when we were uh, checking out Weird Al Yankovic. Right, yeah, we had a great time there. Uh, and it was definitely one of the coolest places I've ever seen a concert, that's for sure. Definitely one of the coolest concerts I've seen. I mean, um, that man did not stop, and his like wardrobe changes immediately on stage. In right, this is like and he basically recreated the videos on stage. Yep, he, great job. I'm trying to look up here if they're rerunning my ghost story. Uh, let's see, view full schedule. Looks like it is not on again tonight. Now, one of the things I was wondering about is what you guys would think about doing some uh, Bigfoot investigations out in, say, Rhode Island. Oh, we've we've talked about it. Uh, you mean privately or as a Legend Trips event? Let's go with both. Uh, privately, obviously, first. Uh, well, privately, I would love to do it. Um, I just don't know if I have the patience to sit quietly in the woods. I would probably, you know, like I'm the guy that when you go fishing, everybody's like, shut up, you're scaring the fish. <laughs> so I'd be the guy that'd be like, "Shut up! You're scaring the Bigfoot." 
but I would definitely like to get out there and, and, ex- and experience it. And as a Legend Trips event... Um, That'd be a little bit more difficult. It's, I worry about the logistics. Like one of the things that I'm getting requests from from people everywhere is if we can put something together in the Freetown State Forest. And I just look at it and I think of all the possibilities of Where danger are. that could happen. Oh, yeah. The, be our luck. Take people up to the ledge. Somebody lean in over to take a picture. And, and yeah. yeah. Which uh, I guess as long as we can, you know, have them swim to shore, that's okay. But <laughs> too many people have not swum to shore. Uh, so yeah, I do. I do feel a little bit uh, nervous about doing things like that. You know, we we're still mastering the format, so we want to make sure that we have control of everything before we do it. But you know, each time we do one, we learn a little bit more. So people can come out and check out Houghton Mansion uh, April sixth for one hundred and twenty five dollars. Just go to legendtrips dot com and you can come. I promise you, will have control there. Uh, I want to get into that psychomantium. I can't wait for that. So Josh said last week that we can try it. So. I'm definitely going to give it a go. It is a freaky experience. I'll say that. And after sure. after watching the uh, things that go bump in the night dock during the course of this week, uh, I, which, by the way, I'd recorded in October and had it on my DVR ever <laughs> since. But uh, I, I want to go out and I want to look for the old coot. Uh, we heard that story last week, and it yeah. seems like there's a lot of uh, a lot of stories that happen about that. And I, and I don't know if you're going up with us, Matt Costa, but if you do, yep. You're the guy that I want to go with me out in the woods. Yeah, to find the old coot. <laughs> yes, because if anybody has experiences with old coots, old coot. it's you and I. <laughs> That's true. That's true. We've dealt with more than our share over the years. I'll have to bring him a newspaper. Right, <laughs> and, and, a, and a muffin. Yeah, a moxie, I don't know. Yes. <laughs> Ooh, you got a sarsaparilla? Yeah, the, if, anything, if we know anything about old men, they have to have a, a Your Boston Herald day and jobs, a yeah. muffin first thing in the morning. Yeah. Now, do you think... Do you smell like Ben Gay before you see this guy? Or? No, I think that comes afterwards. Oh, right. yeah, and uh, I think the the other old the spice, o- maybe. Yeah, the old spice. I was going to say the other scent that's predominant would be old spice. Although old spice, they are trying to market it toward young people. I don't think it's working so well. I think probably oh. the fact that it's old in the title, yeah, is probably hurting its chances. I don't know. I like Terry Crews, but I don't really like old spice, so. That's not Terry Crews in the commercial, is it? Yeah, I think so. I think it's a different guy. They have a different guy now? Right, I think so, They used yeah. to. So you've got the three things that old guys like, Old Spice, Bay Rum, and Old Bay. <laughs> <laughs> so those three things together. It's like what every... every uh, we're insulting like 90% of the listening audience right now. <laughs> it's well past their bedtime. That's true, it is. It's past our bedtime, too, and uh, thankfully... The show is coming to a close. Uh, again, like I said, this is what happens when we don't have a guest. Normally, our show is a much tighter production, and the conversation is much more interesting. Uh, so we'll be back next week with our guest, Karen Dullman. She'll be here talking with us about the positive side of Ouija. And then uh, we've got some interesting guests coming up in the next few weeks. Like I said, we're going to be talking about the film My Amityville Horror, getting more into the Amityville story. Uh, we're also going to be talking, and we've heard from Chris Lutz, so now we're going to hear uh, from from Daniel Lutz's perspective. Uh, and then also coming up later on in April, we're going to be talking with uh, Lisa Campion, who's a, a psychic, and she's also very uh, much into the work of empaths and, and promoting empathy throughout the world. So we're going to talk to her about that because, you know, we need to be a little more empathetic here on Spooky South Coast. We're kind of a bunch of jerks. I can feel you. <laughs> so we'll talk about all that coming up in the next few months. Again, we won't be on April 6th because of the Legend Trips event, uh, but that's all right. If you are going to miss hearing our voices that much, you can just buy a ticket and come on out to the event. 
because we'll be doing plenty of talking there, I'm sure. And uh, again, legendtrips.com is the site to go, and you can find out more about the event, Haunting the Houghton, April 5th through the 7th, just the 6th if you want to just come for the uh, event itself. But why not come Friday night, too, and take part in that paranormal party at the Haunted Freight Yard Pub? I'm really excited about that because... You know, I want to see what happens after we have like four or five drinks in us, and then somebody whips out the EMF detector. Somebody else whips out the millimeter, and it's like, all right, let's go see what we can find. We're, we're definitely not in the state to acquire any data at all. <laughs> so just keep in mind that anything we get, if we do that, is all null and void. Well, except for the personal experience part of it. I'm not even going to take those into account. You know, it feels like somebody's touching me, and I like it. <laughs> All right, so that, that does it for this week's show. Uh, if you want to listen to this or any other show, I don't know why you'd want to listen to this one again. But if you want to <laughs> listen to any of our shows over the past seven years, they are all up on SpookySouthCoast.com. Uh, did you get my email, by the way, about the problem where every file is playing all at the uh, same time? I don't, what's an what's email? All right. We'll talk about this <laughs> off the air. Right. Send smoke signal. <laughs> but we are working on fixing that. Uh, and also, of course, you can get every episode from iTunes. And don't forget, YouTube is the place to go to catch all the Spooky TV videos. And you can see uh, the other show on Spooky TV right now, which is uh, Spirit Connections, Tuesday nights at 7. And uh, they're also up on YouTube as well. So check it all out. And uh, until next week, for Matt Moniz, for Matt Costa, for Chris Balzano, I am Tim Weisberg. And we want you all to... Stay spooktacular. Rest assured, listener, that my time here has not been easy, and what you have just heard was not fiction. Although, in many a desperate moment, I most certainly wish it had been. It's over for now, it seems. Or at least, until yesterday begins again. Tomorrow, 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 tomorrow. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it does happen.